So what is faith? Martin Luther King Jr. said, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That is faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The top of the staircase or the bottom. You don't see the end, but there is an expectation of what will be there, what you'll be able to see or achieve. This is what faith does. I like exploring. I'm taking my wife to some odd places and along roads on the edges of cliffs. I was okay, I was on this side. I remember a couple of years ago when we were in New Zealand. We were, any Kiwis here tonight? Good, I can say Wanaka however I want to. It's probably Wanaka or some funny way. They Anyway, going from Wanaka to Queenstown. So we knew our destination, so we had to follow signposts. And most of the way the road sort of was fairly level, but it was in, it was in a valley. It was the bottom of, of a valley, so you had sort of hills or mountains either side and you're, you're winding around and then all of a sudden you come out and there's a sign for a car park. Pull in and it's the highest bitumen, part of a bitumen road in New Zealand and when you come out you, you've, you've been crowded in the whole time and then you get to this lookout and miles down, it is so deep down and way in the distance you can see Queenstown. So we've been sort of by faith following signposts and going along this road and all of a sudden this amazing scenery just opens up out in front of you. And that's a bit like faith. We know our destination. We've never seen Queenstown before so we, we're not real sure what it looks like. And then all of a sudden it all opens out in front of us. We see many examples of faith in our world. People put their faith in finances. That if they build up their finances they'll be right. In their old age or whatever. As long as I've got money I'm going to be right. They put their faith in that. Parents, friends. We put our faith in our parents or look after us or friends be around us to help us out. Our own, our own abilities, that is huge in the world. How many, you know, this was Jeff Gorn. There. <laughs> the guy he was talking about, I think I have seen a couple of those shows. And this guy, I think it was the same guy, did a stint with the French Foreign Legion in South America somewhere. It was their elite troops and he's done the same thing. And I was just amazed that this bloke just, he's obviously fairly fit to do it. But he had faith in his own ability. And we see it all the time. We hear you know, stories all the time of people's faith in their own ability to be able to do things, to push through, whether it's sporting or life or whatever. But they, it's a, an area of faith that they have. And there's that common denominator. They all have a goal. The finance person that, you know, when I retire, I'll have enough finance to live comfortably in my retirement. The, you know, 
having friends or parents looking after us. We have faith that they'll do that. There's a goal that they're going to see us through till we leave home or whatever we do or keep coming back. And, and yeah, those that have got grown-up children will understand that. And our own abilities, you know, I'm going to... There was, I actually, I read a story this morning about a lady who was an amputee and she was in the hospital or the office of the something or other amputee place and she was wearing high heels to prove a point or something and just so happened that the Australian, I think it was one of the Olympic coaches was there and he said, why don't you try snowboarding? Yeah, why not? And she became, she, I think she was just competed in the Winter Olympics. So she had a, you know, she was just roaming around. All of a sudden she had a goal. I can, I can be in the Winter Olympics with one leg. I can be a snowboarder. So there's a goal, you know, we, that type of thing. So there's a goal to our faith. Because without a goal, we're not going to, we're just going to wander around lost. There's a smorgasbord of religions offering answers to faith that we have. So why Christianity? How can we have faith? Faith in Christianity. As the song we've just sung, simply by believing. Believing God the Father's promises, God the Son, what he did, and God the Holy Spirit, what he's doing. We must have all three for our Christian faith. If you picture a wooden stool with three legs, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, take one leg away, what happens? Not a very easy thing to sit on, is it? You have to do a balance. Each person of the Trinity is important in making our faith secure. We hear you know, places that don't believe Jesus is the Son of God or Jesus' only thoughts. No, you've got to have the three of them because they are one. Father, Son and Holy Spirit is God. <coughs> so, how can we have faith? We need to believe in God's promises. The Bible is a written record of God's love for each and every one of us, for mankind. Even when we don't feel loved, that's okay because God has declared his love for you that cannot change. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to slaughter. Knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did I miss anything? 
I think you'll find it's covered by one of those. God has promised us he loves us in his word. Romans 8, 3 said, But God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God promises he will come into our lives and help us. All we have to do is ask him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God's promises. Jeff was talking about Jehovah Jireh this morning, the God who provides. And I'm sure many of us will have testimonies of God's provision unexpectedly. Sandy and I were on our way to the car the other week and there was a lady looking a bit stunned and shocked. Are you okay? Yeah. Somebody just gave me a whole heap of money and nobody knew my need and it's covered it. She'd only talked to God about it. She hadn't mentioned it to any other person around the place and God had prompted someone to go up and give her the money to do whatever it was she had to do. Jehovah Jireh. God says he'll provide us with our needs. Amen? Believing God's promises. God promises that he will be with us forever in Matthew 28. And he promises eternal life in heaven with him in John 10, 28. That's our goal in the Christian faith. That our faith will get us to the goal of being in heaven with being in, in, in eternity forever. We must believe in God's promises. We must also believe in what Jesus did. He was unique. Philippians 2, 5 and 8 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. To my knowledge, no other deity or religion makes any such claim as that. We can go and see temples, we can go and see statues, we can see, go and see graves where certain um, gods or whatever are buried. But there's not one, one God that I know of that has come to earth, humbled himself, come as a man, died for, died for mankind... And rose again and is alive and seated in the heavenly places. Because of what he has done, we're set free. If we do wrong, we can go to him and be forgiven. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
giving us that peace that surpasses all understanding. So we see God the Father tells us that he loves us. God the Son shows us that he loves us. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the world and in our lives. As I said at the start, we cannot take one of these three persons out of the Trinity, out of the Godhead. And I think the Holy Spirit sort of blends it all together. John 16. Gospel of John chapter 16, reading from verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. The three-legged stool. Jesus is declaring what the Father has said, and he's giving it to the Holy Spirit to share with us. Jesus says there, you're upset that I'm going, but I have to go so that the helper can come and be with you always. When in an act of faith we become followers of Christ or Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and help us. Taking our old life and making it new so we begin to live and act more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? What an amazing concept. That the Spirit of God, the creator of this universe, would live in me. Their fleshly spirit was dead in sin, but now we are made alive in Christ through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit brings a change, if we allow him. Like our behaviour and our thoughts, we begin displaying what the Bible calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 16 and 26. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. (coughs) So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and the list goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's where our war comes in. We're still in the flesh, but we have the Spirit of God within us. And that's the war, but that's another sermon. God tells us to love one another. The Holy Spirit shows us how. And directs us. John fourteen twenty six. But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have said. So becoming a Christian involves faith. We have God's promises, Jesus' action, and the Holy Spirit within us to guide and to lead us on our journey of faith. The three-legged stool. I managed to get a European holiday story in. <laughs> you still got a few, David, I hope? Yeah, good. <laughs> Many people will ask, what was the highlight of the holiday? And I think it was the fact that I went to places I, for 60 years, I'd read, I'd seen on telly, I'd Googled, I'd all that sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in a palace where Mozart was. I'm standing in the same palace where the wife of uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was born. These types of things, just through Europe and in England, it was just... But I can distinctly remember, I'm not sure why, but we were in Piccadilly Circus. We were waiting to go on a tour, walking tour. And I'm looking around and I went... Wow, I'm actually in Piccadilly Circus. Did I say that to you? I don't know whether I did or not, but anyway. So, you know, Piccadilly Circus is the one, if you, the, the statue of, you know, Eros, the whatever he is, something or other. From Piccadilly Circus, you can go through a big archway and it's, where's, you're an, you're an English lady, is it Mal or Maul? Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah, I think it's. I'll call it a mall. That big wide road that goes down to the Buckingham Palace. Another road takes you down to to Big Ben, uh, Westminster, where the Parliament is, Westminster Abbey. Another road takes you down to Trafalgar Square, and I'm just sort of sitting here because Piccadilly Circus has got one of those reputations. I think back in the 60s and 70s, it was sort of fairly free type of place, but there's you know, lots of theatres and restaurants and it's a real buzz, this place. And I just, this was about 9.30 in the morning, actually, so 
I just, it just struck me that I'm actually standing on the other side of the world in Piccadilly Circus. And that was sort of like I've reached the destination because it was, it was pretty much the end of our tour. But we didn't just get there, sort of, I didn't wake up one morning and all of a sudden hop out of bed, stepped outside and I was in Piccadilly Circus, did I? We had to have faith. We had to have faith that we had some people, friends and rallies who had promised free accommodation. That's a bonus when you're going to Europe. We had to have faith that they were going to come good. We had to have faith that our cards would work with our money on it because if they didn't work, man, you're going to be stuck. We had to have faith in uh, that booking.com and other booking agency had done what they said they would do and so that when we turned up at a motel there wouldn't be any problems and we didn't have one and I know I've heard of plenty of other people who've turned up at motels somewhere in Europe and they go no I'm sorry sir you can have the executive suite for 500 euros a night if you like but it's the only room we've got left but and we were guided by the Holy Spirit, dressed in runaway uniforms. Because for those who have travelled in Europe, my goodness, the first one was Vienna going from the airport to the railway station. Simple, so simple. Sandy's sister, who was one of those who promised free accommodation, sent us a map, circled the Hop, Doffen, Borfen something railway station, that's where you have to go. It's two blocks. You just walk from there and Amy, our niece, and her husband will meet you. We get to the railway station. We get a ticket. That's to Vienna. Little did we know that people in Vienna called the Hopdoffenboffen railway station the Vienna railway station. So <laughs> we're looking at a board trying to work it out. In the end, the Holy Spirit appeared in the in the disguise of a lady railway worker who spoke English and said, you'll be right, next train going that way, that'll take you to the station. Thank you. They have a funny system in Europe where, you know, you buy a ticket on a train here and it says you buy your ticket platform five, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. No. You buy a ticket and then you watch the scoreboard. It's a sporting event because... They don't tell you what's the platform until about five, four minutes before and then they lock the doors about 30 minutes before it's about to go. So when you're leaving Paris, you'll stand... Well, actually, in Paris, we found, the, we found the platform fine. On the ticket, it's got carriage 12, seats, I don't know, 54 and 55. Too easy. There's the platform. Carriage, one, two, three, four, five, nine, ten, fourteen, fifteen. Carriage, twelve. Eleven, fourteen, fifteen. The Holy Spirit again turned up as a porter. He said, it's okay, just hop on there, don't worry about that. Good. And we didn't, we were on the way. Victoria Station. Going to Eastbourne. I'm watching this scoreboard again and there's no train going to Eastbourne. 
There's got to be a train to Eastbourne. I've got a first-class ticket going to Eastbourne. So I finally asked... I don't think he was the Holy Spirit because he was grumpy. (laughs) And he said, Platform 18. So where are we? There's 18 platforms, I think, in Victoria Station. We're at Platform 1. The best part about these scoreboard things is there's a big crowd and then it'll flick up. Platform 5. It's really entertaining, except when you want to know what platform you're on, it gets a bit stressed. So we get onto the platform, and there's still no indication that this train is going to Eastbourne. So the Holy Spirit, in the guise of another railway lady, said, yes, now where are you going, Eastbourne? Well, make sure you get in the first four carriages, because halfway there the train splits in two, and one goes that way, and the other goes to Eastbourne. (laughs) We had no idea. (laughs) And when you've only got about a minute and a half to get on the train, you're not really thinking real straight, I can assure you. So it's the same with our faith. We've got to believe the promises. We've got to believe what's been done for us. And we've got to believe that we will be guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful and great love that you have for each and every one of us. And Lord, we thank you that there are so many promises in your word for us. We thank you especially for those wonderful promises that you love us, that you provide for us, you care for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you've shown that love that is promised in your word by coming as a man dying on the cross for our sin, being buried and rising again, that we may have an eternal hope. We thank you, Jesus, that you promised your disciples that you had to go away so you could send a helper, that even 2,000 years later or more is here to help your disciples. Father, whether we are just someone who's having a look at the Christian faith, and needs to take that step, or whether we've been Christians for many years, the principle is the same, how to have faith. We thank you for your word, we thank you for your great love for us, and we thank you that you continue to guide us and lead us, and may we be open to your guidance and leadance of your Holy Spirit. Father, we give you all the praise and all the honour, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Hang around for a little while because I've knocked you off early. Have to have a chat and uh, have a great week.